Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. This is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki alongside Tim Leonard. Got a jam-packed show for you today. We're going to get into some basketball recruiting. Athlon Sport just released its quarterback rankings for the entire Division I college football. And an early start on it. Yeah, I know. For all 130 teams, too. Wow. We'll tell you how Eric Dungy stacks up, if we agree with it, if we don't agree with it. And then we're also going to talk to Paris Bennett later on, an undrafted free agent now with the Packers after a great career at SU. And we'll close things out, as always, with Fizz Feedback. But first, be sure to follow us everywhere online. Find us orangefizz.net. Also on Facebook, SoundCloud, Twitter, and iTunes for all the latest Fizz Radio episodes, as well as the Fizzcast. Tim, you and I, we have our Paris Bennett conversation on the latest edition We're just of the Fizz content, yeah. like always. As always, the businessmen back in business here on Fizz Radio. Let's get into this basketball recruiting right now because Syracuse with a, with a couple of spots that they can use up with scholarships. Robert Braswell takes a visit this past week. Osin Osinie, am I saying yeah, that right? We'll am go I with saying? that. Yeah. We're just gonna call him Osin. Osin, I like that. Yeah. Osin took a visit this week too. So let, let's just get into the to the down low of everyone. We've talked about Braswell a little bit on prior Fizzcasts, on prior Fizz radios, but Robert Braswell really is the last saving hope. This is a guy who, if you read Mike Waters' story on him, and, and shout out Mike Waters, did a great job great on this. Guy. Great guy, too. <laughs> but he talks about how Braswell really has kind of found himself in a weird situation. He comes from a military family, so... He plays this European style of basketball because he lived, I believe it was in Germany for a while, and so he's got that European flair. He's a good shooter, but really he just wasn't on anyone's radar because he kind of flew or slipped through the cracks. And along with that, he also got hurt before some of these big AAU tournaments, so really wasn't in the limelight. And then you kind of throw in in on top of that the fact that he plays in South Carolina, not a place known for yeah. basketball, I mean, really the only big South Carolina name that I can think of in recent memory is Zion Williamson. Yeah, that's out of about Spartansburg, it. and really that's that's the extent of it. You think North Carolina's basketball, South Carolina's kind of that football baseball. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, so I mean, he's a project. There's no doubt about it. But like you said, at this stage in the game, he's kind of the last hope. You miss out on Bryce Golden and. They visited him a while ago, or Alan Griffin, I should say, one of the assistant coaches, visited him down in Blithwood, South Carolina, a couple weeks ago before Bryce Golden made his decision to go to Butler and join that Syracuse what-if team with Quad A Green, or not Quad A Green, Jordan Tucker, maybe Quad A Green. Maybe Quad A Green. We'll, we'll see, but right now, Jordan Tucker and a couple others, so... Bryce Golden goes that route, and now it seemed like once, it was like days after that, they say, okay, we're going to actually throw in the offer. Braswell tweets it out. He's got a ton of length. He he really is the type of guy that fits the 2-3 zone mold in terms of 6-9, athletic, got some long wingspan, can jump really well. So he could be a very good defender. He's just very unpolished at this point, and 
he could give you some minutes in his first year, but more than anything, he's got a lot of potential and could be a guy three or four years down the road. If they do get a commitment and a signee from him, he could make some noise because I do think, like you said, he's kind of flying under the radar because of those events, and he does have more potential than most guys in and around his rating at right about the 160 mark on 24-7 sports. Yeah, so the the thing with Braswell, too, again, he just fits what Syracuse is trying to accomplish offensively, defensively. He can, he can shoot the basketball. He can block some shots as well. He uses that length. I think he'd be a real asset in the 2-3 zone, too, Yeah, against especially some of these more athletic teams. He's got to get a little bulkier. Right. He's only 175, and, but you got time to do that. And that's the case, too, that we kind of saw with Mark Dolezal. And he kind of reminds me of almost a better shooting Mark Dolezal where he's long, he, he's he got that, that potential defensively for you, which we saw Dolezal use and really improve. But then he's got the jump shot on top of that. And if you remember, Mark Dolezal, not a highly touted guy, kind of another guy, just came in under the right. radar Very last similar. second. So. A very similar situation to Dolajai when you think about it. And again, he's got that European style of basketball, a little higher IQ type of player. So we'll see what happens with Robert Braswell. Again, this is a situation that I would assume in the next month or so we'll know yeah, a little more. Yeah, I think, well, Syracuse is, is basically the major team or the only Power Six team, with the exception of an Oklahoma State and a couple others that have given him an offer formally. He's got a couple other offers from UMass, who's kind of been high on him, and he's taken some visits there. So that could be the main competition right now, as well as Charlotte, Fordham, Hofstra, Murray State. All these schools don't hold the candle to Syracuse. So right. the fact that he's getting this offer, it's his highest profile offer. We'll see if he looks at it as his best opportunity, but... There's no doubt that Syracuse is definitely in the running. He could be that guy to add some forward depth, which they really need right now. And not just the fact that Syracuse is the biggest blue blood to offer him, but along with that, you're going to get a chance to play. Yeah, you'd imagine. Will. Because yeah, you mean, look at the roster, again, very thin at the forward position. You only have four guys in the front court at all right now, and you yep. got to fill at least three there. So it seems like... Braswell. Yeah, he'll get spot minutes in. in his first year, I'd guess. Play maybe Maybe five. like Dolajai. Right. I, yeah, I think Dolajai is a very good comparison. And Dolajai is a guy who came in raw and unpolished, and by the end of the year, he was one of the better players on that tournament run and seemed like, like you said, one of the higher IQ players. So Jim Beheim does a pretty good job of making these players mature, and maybe this is going to be another example if he does commit. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki, Tim Leonard with you until 10 this morning. Let's look at the other side now. We've got Osin Osiniyi. Osiniyi. Again, we're (laughs) going to call him Osin for the sake of the program. And uh, I've kind of looked at some of his tape lately. This is a guy who was committed to LaSalle, decommitted after a coaching change, and then a recent Patino disciple. I think I forget the name, but it was the first player – or the, rather the first coach from that whole Patino mess at Louisville to get hired. Oh, wow. Okay. Before Patino got to Siena. So he's back at, yeah. <laughs> so he's back at LaSalle, this So he is, he is at LaSalle. Okay. He's the head coach of LaSalle now, so don't be surprised. Maybe they get right back into it. Who knows with, with Osin, but Syracuse giving him a look, too, and he just took a visit this past week. I've looked at his tape. Seems like a like a glorified Chino Aboko. <laughs> is that a compliment or yeah, not is really? That, yeah, it's a backhanded compliment. So like a by Musicata type or is he no? Not, I mean, even... he's a big guy. He runs the floor, but yeah. he's gonna get you some blocks, 
probably a little bit of offense, but not much. Okay, so he's he's a true seven footer, is what I'm seeing. He's mostly. a little under seven foot. Okay. I think he's like that six ten. But 6'11". he's he's definitely more of a center, whereas Braswell right, right, is right. like you're, he's a you're bona fide getting, forward. Yeah. yeah, Braswell's a forward. Osin is a center. So he's not going to help you out, I guess, in forward depth. But at the end of the day, they still need some front court depth, whether right. they get in this class here at the end of this cycle or in the next class, 2019, because Pascal is going to be gone after this year. And then you really just have Sidibe who or Sidibe, who is, you know, kind of up and down with injuries. And that's to only have one guy. You've got to have more bodies in the front court, especially when the anchor position in the zone is so vital. Yeah, and you look at Sidibe. You you bring up the health. That's huge. Syracuse is looking at some guys in the class of 2019, too. The one name that comes to mind is Isaiah Stewart yeah. from, I think he's from Albany. He's from Rochester, He's right? from Rochester. Yeah. Right. Rochester plays, plays for Albany City Rocks. Kofi Cockburn, I think, right. is another mm-hmm. guy. So th- those are some big bodies. And, and those are big-name guys, yeah. though. So right. who knows? That's being optimistic, yeah, maybe. And Again, these are the guys, they're getting looks from the Dukes, the Kentuckys of the world, so who knows what's going to happen there exactly. But you are going to have to retool at that center position because it is so important to what you want to do offensively, defensively. And, yes, Isaiah Stewart, I think, is the perfect scenario, but you're going to need a backup for him. And if he does ultimately come to Syracuse, and Osen could be maybe that guy, he'll be like the, the second or third in that front court. Yeah or at the center position, and just maybe he develops through that way. Yeah, I think both these guys are pretty similar in the fact that the added plus to both of them is that they're probably going to be three- or four-year guys at least, and Syracuse could use some of those to solidify their front court a little bit right now, especially in depth. And also, they're going to be kind of projects. If, if I mean, I hate to use that word, but... I feel like they're going to be the type of players that have a lot of potential, but it's kind of untapped right now, and they need to get get a little more comfortable and learn a little bit more about American style of basketball for Braswell and and just develop their games well in college. So they're projects, but they could be four-year guys, which would be really helpful. All right, coming up, we're going to talk a little Eric Dungy and the Syracuse football team. A new ranking came out of all the quarterbacks in college football. We'll tell you where Dungy sits and how he stacks up with the competition. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Back on Fizz Radio here on the score 1260, Tyler Aki alongside Tim Leonard. We just talked up some Syracuse basketball recruiting. Let's get into some SU football now. And this past week, Athlon Sport released all 130 quarterbacks. They ranked them all. Hard at work. Yeah. That's a lot of work. I mean, we're only in May right Props now. Props to them. Yeah, so, seriously. 130 quarterbacks. Eric Dungy slotting in right at number 23. It's about a 10-spot jump from last year's rankings. Pretty solid. I think if you asked me last year, Eric Dungy in the 30s, I would have said that's a little too high. Yeah. Eric Dungy at 23 this year. I think that sounds right, but I look at some of the people in front of him and I say, Eric Dungey's better than those guys. Yeah, I think a lot of these ACC quarterbacks in particular that we know well, we've got Kelly Bryant at number 20 from Clemson, who will be taking over the reins this year. Josh Jackson, Virginia Tech, number 19. And then at top in the ACC is Ryan Finley at 13. I don't know. It's it's hard to rank because Dungey just can't stay healthy, and that that's the big thing with him right now. And the big thing this year, I guess, is going to be retooling that wide receiver core when you've got no Steve Ishmael, you've got no Irv Phillips. It's 
how is he going to fare when he doesn't have a true number one target maybe or will he just develop those guys and make it seem like there was no difference because I think what he's done when he's on the floor on the field I should say I think he's been just as good or if not better than Ryan Finley, Josh Jackson, and Kelly Bryan is right Mm -hmm. up there in the top two in the ACC. I don't think that's far-fetched to say. I I don't at all either. And when I look at this list, too, so I wrote a piece for orangefizz.net. Basically, it was analyzing this ranking, and this is where Dungy sits. This is where his opponents this season sit. Dungy is the third-best quarterback uh, amongst the teams that Syracuse will face this year. Ryan Finley and Kelly Bryant were the only two ahead of him. Eric Dungy outperformed both of them last year. Now, say what you want about Kelly Bryant. He played only a half against Syracuse in that win against Clemson. Kind of an awkward situation and everything. But he outperformed Ryan Finley. He got an upset over the number two team in the nation in Clemson. And when you look at it, too, you look at the numbers with Kelly Bryant. Again, this is a mathematician's nightmare extrapolating. But if you extrapolate the data... (laughs) I apologize to to my high school math teachers. Sorry, Mr. (laughs) Yoon, but Kelly Bryant was not nearly the quarterback Eric Dungy was throwing or running. Yeah, no. I I think if Dungy was healthy last year and he took Again, that is a huge if. That that may be factored into his ranking a little bit. Right, that's what I'm saying. I think if if he did play the remainder of the season, huge hypothetical. I know it's kind of even dumb to bring up, but say he took them to a bowl game and he got a little more – stats under his belt and everything, he's probably top 15 on this list. It's just that he hasn't stayed healthy. It's probably hurting his ranking a little bit, but I don't know. I just don't think Ryan Finley doesn't scare me. Like, when Syracuse is lining up on the other side, like, he's not going to make a big play against you. Yes, he's a solid quarterback, a pretty good college quarterback. He's a check-down quarterback. quarterback. Right, I mean— I, I hesitate to throw around the term game manager because that's very demeaning, obviously, and I think it's overused in and of itself. But Finley doesn't do a whole lot to wow you. Dungy is going to make a play. He can take you to an upset over Clemson and carry a team, both with his legs and his arm, which a lot of these guys that are right around him, I feel like they're more one-dimensional quarterbacks. So I don't know. It's It might be full homer. It might be... A little biased here, but I think he could be right around the top 15, and if he does get a chance to play the full season, he could prove that he's maybe even a top two or the best quarterback in the ACC if he gets that full season under his belt this year. Yeah, again, health always the big question with Dungy, but I mean, you you talk about Eric Dungy and people say, all right, he's a quarterback who makes winning plays, and I completely agree with that. And there's always the cliche, oh, he's going to win you some games, he's going to lose you some games. Yeah. Eric Dungy doesn't lose you games. I don't that, think so. That, maybe you'd think about the Miami game where he threw the, the three picks right out of the gate, but with Eric Dungy, the only way he loses you games is by not being on the field. He's going to win you games, and that is it. That is the only thing I think you could say about him. Yeah, overall, I'd say there's a lot of average quarterbacks in the ACC. It's, yeah. When you look at this list— Really like, across college football, too. Yeah, there's not a whole lot. I mean— even, I don't know, like, I guess McSorley is probably headlining kind of the Heisman runners for quarterbacks in terms of the national landscape. Yeah. Will Greer. I don't, I don't think we're going to see a Heisman that's a quarterback no, this year. No, I don't, I don't think so either. Will Greer tops this list from West Virginia. But, I mean, there's a ton of these ACC guys. Daniel Jones from Duke uh, checks in at 38. Even UNC is replacing their quarterback. He's going to be 74. I think he's a freshman on this list. He's 74 on the Sathlon Sports list. So. Yep, Chess, Surratt. Right. I mean, Malik Rozier, 39. 
Taquan Marshall from Georgia Tech is right behind him at 40. All these ACC quarterbacks are just kind of ho-hum average. And then Dungy, I think, has the most potential and the most ability to kind of change the landscape of a game or put up a 500-yard game, whether it's combined yardage or have a good 300-yard passing game or anything. And a lot of that is the Dino Babers offense, and that kind of inflates statistics when you're running more plays than most other teams. But I don't know. When he's been on the floor or on the field, he has been, if not the best quarterback on this list right now from the ACC, he's right up there one or two, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And and you look at Kelly Bryant, too. There's no guarantee he's going to be the starter. No, And that's that's why I'm so hesitant to – to agree with the fact that he's slotting in at 20 on this list. And sure, you can say the same about number two on this list with the Alabama battle between Tua and you've got Jalen Hurts. Regardless, you're going to have a good quarterback down in Tuscaloosa. But you've got other guys in this pipeline for Clemson. Hunter Johnson, I believe he was a five-star two years ago. And then you bring in the number one quarterback in the class in Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. It would not surprise me if they're the ones that are starting against Syracuse when we see Clemson come to the yeah. Or when Syracuse goes I mean, to you mentioned there are three teams that Syracuse is playing that Dungy's not ranked as high in terms of quarterback. He's the third best. Oh, third best. Uh, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so, I mean, that shows you right there. This might be the first year in a while or one of the best years in terms of a quarterback to quarterback head-to-head where Syracuse will be going against their opposition and have the best quarterback on the field maybe 90% of the time this year, 85% of the time, because – Dungy, if he's healthy, I know we keep saying that big if, and that's the frustrating thing about analyzing this and the frustrating thing about Eric Dungy is he hasn't stayed healthy, especially when they need him most late down the stretch. But if we assume that he is healthy and he's playing in every single one of these games, he's going to be the best quarterback on the field in, I'd say, 90% of these games this year. All right, coming up, we're going to stick with football. Paris Bennett joins the show. He'll talk about his time with the Packers so far and reflect on his career at SU. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Joined now by Paris Bennett, former SU linebacker and now a linebacker with the Green Bay Packers. Paris, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Thanks for having me, man. So first, we just want to kind of get a little glimpse into what your whole college experience was like, and I think one of the real big things – to hit on is Dino Babers and the coaching change that happened. First off, can you just tell us a little bit what Dino was like to have as a coach? Um, okay, for sure. Uh, Dino was definitely a great coach, honestly. He brought in a real family aspect. You can tell he wanted the guys just to be close as a team. You know, just everybody can hold each other accountable from the freshmen up to the seniors, you know what I'm saying? But he also wanted everybody to play their role, you know, everybody – had their job on the team, you know, that everybody's 111th was important and that no one was more important than the other, you know what I'm saying? And I mean, not saying that Scott Schaefer didn't incorporate that as, as well, but just, you know, really harped on it. And then, Paris, what was it like when Schaefer left, kind of a defensive-minded coach, and then you bring in Dino, who's an offensive-minded coach, kind of in the middle of your career at Syracuse there. What was your mindset when that all happened? Um, honestly, as being a defensive player, I actually was excited for the change because, I mean, you know, of course you want to have a coach who cares about defense, but, like, I felt like we need to score points on offense, you know, in this league just to have a chance, you know, to succeed that you need to be able to score. So, I mean, of course you guys want low-scoring games as a defensive player, but, I mean, it was nice seeing our offense put up points. 
Now, Paris, someone who I'm sure you grew really close with over your time at SU, Zaire Franklin, you two really anchored down that linebacker unit. And it's a defense that drew a lot of criticism throughout your time, but linebackers were really one of the strengths throughout and arguably had the best linebacking core in the ACC at times during your tenure. What was your relationship like with Zaire, both on and off the field? Um, you know, Zaire's, everyone who knows me knows that Zaire is one of my best friends in life. Uh, especially, you know, coming to Syracuse, we definitely bonded even before we were officially at on campus. Like, he reached out to me in recruiting, took our official visit together and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, it was cool playing next to you. You know, your best friend and, you know, somebody that you know is going to be accountable and someone that's going to hold you accountable. And then there's four other guys that are kind of in a similar position to you right now from Syracuse, Steve Ishmael, Zaire, or Phillips, and then Jamar McGloster. Have you guys all been keeping in touch? Uh, yeah, you know, we definitely talk about the process together, you know, just trying to see what everybody's going through. You know, we're all on different teams except for Steve and uh, Zaire, but, you know, we're just trying to help each other through the process, you know what I'm saying, just keep motivating each other. So do you guys have, like, a, a giant group chat, or are you on GroupMe, or what? How are you guys keeping uh, in touch? It's more reaching out to each other, if anything. Now, there's a giant group chat with the team or whatever, but, I mean, as far as us five, we just kind of, you know, text each other. And then as far as you, when you saw the Green Bay Packers or when they gave you that call on draft day, what was kind of running through your mind? Um, This was the opportunity I needed, you know. They were um, one of the top teams on my list as far as if I didn't get drafted where I felt like I had the best chance to make the roster. And, you know, uh, even though it's a different, like, style defensive 3-4 coming from a 4-3, it's still, you know, I just wanted to learn as much football as I can. So I felt like it would just help me. So you're a Detroit guy. Did you grow up a Lions fan? Yes, I did. So how tough is this for you? Um, it's definitely tough, but I mean, you know, I knew the NFL would be a business and that I would probably end up more than likely playing against the Lions and playing for <laughs> them. So. Well, I grew up a Bears fan, so I, I've been through the trenches of dealing with the Green Bay Packers for 20-plus years now. So. Right. <laughs> I, I'm hoping you're not the next one to torture them. Maybe you wind up with the Lions or something like that. And I can deal with that a little bit more. Um, anyways, though, but you, now you're going to a team with an unbelievable legacy, one of the most storied franchises in NFL history. When you walk through that door for the first time in Green Bay, how taken aback are you? Oh, man, it was, it was amazing to see, man. The tradition they have at that place is unreal. So you can tell that Green Bay, they love the Packers there, man. It seems like everything is green and yellow. Uh, all their facilities are right in the middle of Green Bay, all by each other. They, all the fans, like I heard, there's a night practice like every Friday night. Expect like 8,000 fans there. It's like a high school football game, but for practice. So I'm excited. So walk me through kind of you graduate Syracuse and then your mentality immediately switches to the NFL. And what was that whole process like compared to what you thought it was going to be like kind of going into it? Um, it's a long process. I mean, I figured it would be a long process, and you you don't know what to expect until you finally make it to the facility and actually try to, you know, make the team. And I was just looking forward to the opportunity, man, just working out as hard and as soft as I could, you know, just to be prepared, you know, physically and mentally for it. Now, during the undrafted free agent process, were there multiple teams that reached out to you? And if so, what made the Packers stand out? Um, honestly, I just, the Packers were at the top of my list, so once they offered, you know, we took it. I'm not exactly sure if I got any other offers, but 
I wasn't looking into assigning bonus money or anything like that. I looked strictly into what situation would be the best for me to make the team. So. And then looking more at your Syracuse career now, what would you say are kind of some of the best memories you have from that four-year career, especially the Clemson one, I guess, would stand out, but anything else mm-hmm. or anything that you really take away from those four years? Um, honestly, just the big wins, like you said, like Clemson, even the Virginia Tech win. Like the Virginia Tech win really showed like I was, we could really compete in the ACC and in the country, honestly. I knew coming out of that game that, this is something that we could do, you know, more often than people believe. And I mean, the, Clemson, the fact that we be Clemson the next year shows that I felt like we could compete with anybody, and that we could have easily a, a winning record, if not an undefeated record. <laughs> now, what's the toughest part? You mentioned getting people to believe. What's the toughest part of going into a game like a Clemson, where if you ask a hundred analysts, all a hundred are picking the Tigers? Um, honestly, it's the toughest part is just keeping believing in, you know, yourself, you know, as your team, just keep and make sure everybody around them knows that if we do our job better than them, that we're going to win. And it has nothing to do with stars and guys having all these, you know, accolades and like all Americans and stuff like that. That really comes down to which team performs the best on all aspects, offense, defense, and special teams. So what do you miss most about Syracuse? Is there a spot on Marshall Street or anything that you wish you could have right now? Um, honestly, right now, I just I miss the team, man. I miss my guys from the team, like my young guys. I'm looking forward to see what they're going to do at the next level. You don't miss the cold yet, do you? Well, I mean, I'll be, I'll be in a lot more snow. So <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if it's that bad it. in Green Bay. Uh, it was snow when I got there. So Was it really? Wow. Yeah, even though it was warm, it was still snow there. <laughs> they, they had just got like 20-something inches. Wow. Or two before. <laughs> so not ideal either way weather-wise, right. but I'm sure you'll take the NFL team any day. Uh, but sure. I want to go back to that Clemson win real quick. What What are some of the things that maybe people don't know about it, maybe some of the behind-the-scenes stuff or the week leading up to it? Were there any things that were happening before, during, or after the game that people just don't know about? Um, honestly, going into it, we believed we were going to win, so I don't think people really know that, honestly. I mean, watching the film, you know, stuff like that, we just knew they had weaknesses that we could get, get uh, capitalized on and stuff like that. So, I mean, I feel like not a lot of people would, would see that from the outside looking at What do you feel like was the coolest experience of that entire game? I mean, of course, the win is cool, but, like, the atmosphere and stuff like that or something outside the celebration, what was, of it all, what was the coolest part? I mean, you know, just seeing the fans rush the field and seeing how happy everyone else was, like, see that everyone um, could enjoy the win just like we could, you know. It was great seeing fans coming and congratulating me and stuff like that. So just to make the fans happy, man, that was the best part. Going back to Coach Babers, I mean, we've all seen his post-game speeches, even that Clemson game like we're talking about, but what is he like as a coach in terms of his coaching style, or what's he even like behind closed doors? I mean, he's just a, he's a real hands-on coach. You know, he's not one of those figurehead head coaches who's just walking around and, you know, just making sure the little, like, you know, just not really doing too much. He's, he's always going around making sure everyone's doing things right making sure even the coaches are coaching things right. Like, he's a real hands-on guy, and, you know, that's what I liked about him. He definitely didn't just sit back and relax, you know. He definitely wanted to 
push everyone, including the coaches, to be great. Now, the Packers, as a program, have a real knack for finding some of these undrafted free agents. You look at guys like Tremont Williams, Sam Shields, Colin Jenkins over the years. So what what makes it so special that they wanted you? Um, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm, they just said they, they like my athleticism on the inside and stuff like that. And, I mean, I don't know. This, this Packers way of building baseball, they stress that it doesn't matter where you went as long as you're here you know you got an opportunity to make the team and so that's what i loved here when i first got there so i'm looking forward to the opportunity and then what are some specific parts about your game or what's the mentality like kind of in this in-between process before you get to otas and training camp um and just making sure i'm in the best shape i can and that i can move as fast and efficiently as i can you know and the field speed is definitely definitely another level and honestly even after just rookie like orientation I had the past weekend even though it was all rookies you can already tell the speed of the game is already faster so I can only imagine how fast the veterans move. Now when you walk through those facilities I don't know who exactly was there aside from the rookies and the coaching staff but was there anyone you ran into and you were maybe a little starstruck seeing in person? Uh, nah, no, nobody I saw was there. I didn't even get to see anybody. I mean, I heard some guys saw Jimmy Graham walking around, but I didn't see him. What, what do you think your first interaction with Aaron Rodgers is going to be like? Um, it's going to be interesting, man. I've been watching him on TV for so long. It's crazy to think that he was he's going to be in the same locker room as me, man. And then looking at the Syracuse football program now, you had that big one over Clemson. You've had that one of the big wins in the past two years, Virginia Tech and then Clemson. You've got guys like Eric Dungy and Strickland coming back to man the offense. What would you say is kind of the direction of the program and where they're at right now? Uh, honestly, man, they're just trying to you know, make a bowl game, man. They're trying to win, and that's, that's something I believe that they're going to do. We've got a lot of talent coming back on both sides of the ball, honestly. So I just can't see them not taking that next step in year three. And you bring up the bowl game. That's something that obviously you guys really wanted to accomplish but didn't get to. How, what was kind of the, the mindset the last time you walked that field after the Boston College loss uh, that you couldn't get to that bowl game? And, and what did you tell the guys after the game so they wouldn't have to kind of feel the same thing that you guys did? I mean, you know, I just told them that, you know, everything kind of happens for a reason. I just want them to know that. You can't settle for things like this, even though it happened to us. That doesn't mean it has to happen to them. You know what I'm saying? That, you know, sometimes misfortune happens and things don't work out to play the way you do, but you have to just keep working and believing that they will. So I was just like, don't let this discourage you because you guys, you know, a lot of guys feel like we have some good leadership in my class and stuff like that. But I was just saying that it doesn't mean everything. You know what I'm saying? That everybody just has to come to play every week and everything will fall into place. So all the Syracuse fans have gotten to know you for your great tackling and work ethic on the field, but what's Paris Bennett like off the field? Oh, man, I'm just just a relaxing guy. I, mean, I love video games. I mean, I hang with my friends, you know. I don't really I don't do too much, man. It's not many, many much to do uh, when it comes to being me, man. <laughs> so, so what video games are you playing? Are you in on the Fortnite craze? Oh, man, I'm in Fortnite. I'm on it all day every day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what what? How many times have you won? Um, I got like fifty squad wins. Wow! 
Oh yeah, I, I play a lot, man. <laughs> Tim, o- Tim over here has got what one win? Yeah, nope. I uh, you got one win. I can't get over the hump, man. I'm always <laughs> second or third. I just can't get to that next level. Are you Are you playing with any of the guys from Syracuse in those squad wins? Uh, actually, no, I haven't. Cause like a lot of guys be on Xbox, I'm on PS4, so oh, I, so I play with play. a lot of guys that are actually just Syracuse students or like friends from home. Oh, okay. So, so what advice do you have for Tim to get over the hump? Honestly, man, all I got to say is get aggressive, man. The more aggressive you are and the more confident you are in your game, that's just going to make the wins come. That's what I had to learn. I started going for kills and I started getting wins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what people are telling me. I don't know, man. I just I panic once it's second or third. <laughs> I, I choke down the stretch. I've just got to get that one win, get the monkey off the back, and then I think it'll be smooth sailing. <laughs> for sure. Um, who, who's the best Fortnite player on the team? Um, Both Packers and Syracuse that you've seen. <laughs> I wouldn't. I can't even tell you Packers wise right now. I haven't really seen too many guys play, but uh, Syracuse. Oof, that's hard. I gotta say myself honestly because I don't. I don't. I don't see many people posting too many. Too many wins. Fifty squad wins is pretty strong. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, I just. I, me and the guys I play with, we 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 take it serious. <laughs> <laughs> Well, who would uh, who would some of the other guys say is the best? It, it, who's second best on the team? Um, even though he's champion, I saw Caden. He had a nice amount of kills. Really, he's, he's been. I saw him post a lot of wins on the team. Um, I know Valdez, Austin Valdez plays. I know he's pretty solid too. So it's a lot of defensive guys. Yeah, those are the guys I've seen. I, I've I've seen Dungey play. I've heard he's solid. I've heard Dungey's solid. I know Dungy played against uh, Mahoney, didn't he? Yeah, Mahoney. I know him and Mahoney's played. I mean, I've definitely seen them post some snaps about it. Who's better between the two of them? Um, I've honestly seen Mahoney post more, so I would have to say from what I've seen on social media, Mahoney. But. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, one last thing for you. I, I know this is a big question for all the rookies usually, but what's the first thing you bought after you signed that contract with the, with the Packers? Ah, man. Can't even lie. I haven't bought anything yet, so... You gotta get yourself an Xbox, man. You can play with all the other guys. uh, You know, it's crazy. That's gonna be probably a little down the line. First things first, I gotta get a mother's. What are you thinking? Uh, My mom actually bought her a Pandora, which is a while ago, so I might get a few more charms. She Mm. really likes them. So I can can splurge a little bit with the charms this time instead of only... All right, Paris, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Good luck with the Packers. Good luck out there in Fortnite. We look forward to watching your career. All right, thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. No problem. All right, coming up, Fizz feedback on the other side. Stick around. It's Fizz Radio. All right, let's put a bow on this thing. Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Rocky alongside Tim Leonard. Put a couple questions out there on Twitter, and I think the one that I'm most excited about going into this summer is Bayheim's Army's back. Yeah. And had a nice little run last year. Good run year. last year. Let's break down what we know so far. We know a couple guys already come into Bayheim's Army, Chris Joseph, Eric Devendorf, and Brandon Trish. Now there's a lot of spots to fill. Yep. We threw out a question. Who would you like to see added to Bayheim's Army? CJ Fair, Trevor Cooney, Dante Green, or other? C.J. Fair leading the pack with 60%, Trevor Cooney at 29, other 
in third at 7%, and Dante Green coming up in last in fourth. Let's take a look at some of the others that we got. First of all, are you surprised at all? Um, No. I mean, I, it makes sense. I think really? it was kind of weird. Like, C.J. Fair and Cooney last year, they were both on the team, but I didn't think they, like, played that much. Like, it's kind of bizarre because you'd think Fair was one of the better Syracuse players when he was actually on the roster, on the Syracuse roster, in terms of people that were on the Bayheims Army roster last year. He was one of the better Syracuse players, so it's kind of weird that he didn't play that much, but... I can see why he's leading the way. I mean, there are a lot of others here, and I think there's some good ones, like you said. Mike Benajay is getting a lot of love. And yeah, Mike Benajay is getting a lot of love. I'm surprised Dante Green isn't. Dante Green isn't just getting not voted for. He's getting slandered in these comments. <laughs> it's pretty rough. I hope he doesn't. I hope Dante Green himself doesn't look at this. Jeff Jeff Hurlbut says anyone but Dante Green. <laughs> with I mean, just a bunch bury of the guy, yeah. Jeff. Gosh. <laughs> a lot of GMAC on here. I'm seeing like two or three GMAC responses. Which would be awesome, but that's but not going to happen. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't see GMAC playing for them. That'd be my first pick, too. I Believe me, I love GMAC just as much as the next person, but if I put him in the poll, he would get 100%. It's just not likely. It's unrealistic. Cherry says they should try and get Rock. I think that'd be a good one. Yeah, I think Rock would do good. it, too, right? Yeah, Rock no, I, I mean, I'm not sure what he's doing right now, but I feel like he's got... He's got that would be a good opportunity for him to at least show off his game a little bit, kind of like how James Sutherland did that last year. He played in the summer league, and then mm-hmm. I think John Gillen kind of did the same yep. thing. We got Mike Valdella saying Darius Baisley. <laughs> I, I think that's just too so, soon. Too soon. Uh, funny story about that. I texted Kevin Belby, who's the GM of Bayheim's right. Army, right after Darius Baisley decommitted, and I said. So does that make Baisley eligible for <laughs> Bayheim's army? And he says, well, yeah, technically, I mean, he, yeah. he, he's got eligibility. I would but guess, um, would he get booed? Yeah. He would get booed. Oh, he'd oh get booed. gosh, he'd get showered. He'd be like uh, – <laughs> He'd take Bayheim's army to its first ever championship, but he'd get booed in the process. Yeah, he'd be like Joe Kelly coming out of the bullpen the other <laughs> night for the Red Sox in Yankee Stadium. I mean, yeah. he would have to, and rightfully so, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, it's – it's technically, I, I guess, a possibility, but there's no way that the John Gillens or the Eric Devendorfs of the world would want him on the team. I mean, you got to right. go through that, the That'd ringer. be awkward. You get G-Mac and, um, and Darius ba- Baisley out there. Yeah. Devendorf, too, yeah. on the you got to be staff. one of Bayheim's guys in yeah. order to be in Bayheim's army. Yeah, and, and speaking of being one of Bayheim's guys, we've got Ed, who says Fred Saunders. If you don't know who Fred Saunders is, forward back in the the – early to mid-70s, only played one year with Syracuse. Didn't even play for Bayheim. Like, Bayheim wasn't coached then. <laughs> that's got to be the caveat. Yeah, I think... Bayheim uh, had to be the head coach. I think that's a fair stipulation. Yeah. Maybe he was going for a sarcastic move there. Yeah. We'll just no, assume... I'm, I'm assuming he was. Or maybe Fred Saunders is his, you know, is close relative or best friend that we don't know about, but kind of a weird, uh, weird one from the top rope there. Yeah, thank you, Ed, for keeping us on our toes. So <laughs> yeah, ha- had seriously. to had to dig through the archives to see Fred Saunders, but yeah, no, I think uh, a lot of these are good options. I think Benajay would work really well in terms of the fact yeah. that okay, he's still kind of like really got it, right? He's and, still in that playing mode. He wouldn't have to do like training leading up to it or anything like that. Right. He would be like a, definitely a starter in my eyes and be one of the better players on the team, and if not be- one of the better players. In the entire yeah, tournament, too. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, Chris Joseph being added, he's going to be a rookie, I guess you would call it, on the team. It'll be his first time. And I think that's a fun little 
piece for them. I think Chris Joseph will make some plays happen. Poor Dante Green, though. That's just the, uh, the Dante gist Green of this played whole in thing. the NBA. Yeah, he I think, was, like he didn't have a bad Syracuse career I, by I, any stretch. I'd have to look at the stats, but of all the guys playing for Bayheim's Army now and and in the last couple of years, I'd guess Dante Green played the most NBA games. Yeah, I, I don't think he'd be a bad option, but the public and Fizz Nation disagrees. They're all in on CJ Fair. I guess. Yeah, big CJ Fair fans. Um, yeah. A lot of Benajay, yeah. so. No, I, I can totally see that happening. I think, yeah, I'm looking up. Dante Green played over 250 games in the NBA. That's solid. I mean, compared to some of the Yeah, but almost there. 10 points a game one year. Yeah. Give a little love to Dante Green. It's going to bad All right, that's going to do it for us here on Fizz Radio. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the rest of your Saturday.